instead of thinking, what if I try, I could fail? The other option is what if this thing's wildly successful? What if people, instead of the criticizing me, what if, what if I, I resonate with people and they, they love it? And I'm really helping them make strides in their life and teaching them things and speaking to them. There's, there's, there's not a scarcity mindset. There's abundance. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What up, what up to the Action Academy family. This is your host, as always, Brian Lubin, bringing you the mindsets, the methods, and the actionable steps from guests who have already earned their freedom. If this is your first time here listening to my voice, we have a bunch of bingeable episodes for you with seven-figure, eight-figure, nine-figure entrepreneurs who have earned their freedom. Go check them out, and today's a good one to start with. Today, we have a good old-fashioned battle of the Bryans with my friend Brian Beers. Now, Brian owns a chain of 21 Midas franchises, the auto stores, and it's a family business, and he has grown and scaled it, I think, four to five X at this point. And this is something that he's going to pass on through his generations to his kids, and hopefully they're going to have them running them as well. Besides this, Brian invests in real estate. He's running syndications. And we talk about all of this today in the show. We talk about how to buy franchise businesses. What does that look like? What multiple do you get them at? What is it like to run them, to scale them? What real estate is he buying? How to start, how to scale that up, how to syndicate. And then also at the very beginning, we talk a lot of positive mindset talk and talk about podcasting in general, ironically, because Brian also has his podcast, Business with Beers, that also speaks to entrepreneurs. So we have a lot of good mindset stuff in the front. We have a lot of good business stuff in the middle, and we have a lot of good real estate stuff at the end. So it's just an ice cream sandwich of goodness today, baby. We got some information for y'all today. So today's show is amazing, but pay attention to next week also. Next week, we have some firecracker episodes. We have my buddy coming up on Tuesday that just hit his first million. So he just crossed the seven-figure mark. So he is fresh off the hunt. That's going to be a very close and personal episode for me. And then Thursday, I've got an episode where we are dropping some bomb announcements. Huge, life-changing, life-shattering announcements that we're going to launch on Thursday. Stay tuned. Pay attention. Brian Beers. Brian Beers, congratulations, sir. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm saying congratulations because you have the coolest last name for a Brian. I'm so upset. And I'm sure you've been hearing this joke your entire life, but it's okay. I decided that I'm still going to do it because my last name is Lubin and you get beers. And so I don't know if I can get over that, but I'm going to sure I'm going to sure as heck try during this episode. All right. It's okay. You can call me beers if you want. And I can call you Lube, right? Oh my God. And so it begins. Yep. Welcome to the Action Academy podcast. <laughs> nah, man, it's uh, great to have you on here. To get started, would love to hear about 
a big win that you had in 2021, man. So looking back on 21, for people listening, this is a recorded early January in 2022. If you could maybe think of one to two ma- massive wins that you took from last year, what would you say? Uh, you know, the biggest one I think would be, you know, investing in my, myself. Uh, I did, I was really focused at the beginning of the year on, you know, kind of personal development. I hired a business coach, taking kind of risks, financial bets and time bets that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to improve on myself. And, you know, through that process, it opened up a a number of doors. Uh, One of them is I launched my own podcast last April. We made a big acquisition. We grew our company by about 50% within, uh, you know, a single transaction and just did all these things that before I think I had some limiting beliefs about that. Like I didn't even know I had until, you know, I went through this process and spent the time to think about what are the things I truly want? What is holding me back? Why are those things holding me back? And then ultimately figuring out solutions to them. And I think investing in yourself is like the best investment you can make and can open up the doors to do anything you want. So what, what were some of the limiting beliefs that you knocked out? Well, for uh, the, I, I guess the podcast, it would be I don't, I'm sure it's all the same ones you had. Is anybody going to listen? Does anybody care about what I have to say? Will I inspire anybody to, to, to do anything or not? Just self-doubt, I think, is a, a you know, big problem that, that everybody has, especially you put in a podcast, you know, you, you're putting yourself out there. There's all these trolls and all these people who you know, in our mind, we think are going to criticize it. But most people are like extremely supportive and you're doing something that you know they personally think they would never do. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's one of them. The, the other one was our main business. We operate automotive repair uh, shops, uh, chain of Midas uh, franchises, and all of our stores are local. I could drive to each one of them. They're 15 minutes up from the next. And I think our belief, and we owned all the ones that we could own within the, the, the Philadelphia market, was that our stores are successful because we are so involved, because they're so close, and that we can never expand beyond this because we would have to go through district managers and we wouldn't have that same hands-on effect. And then thus the stores wouldn't do as good and we wouldn't be proud of them and it wouldn't be worth it. And I, I got over that and said, hey, if we can motivate and set the guidelines for the people that are going to run you know, the, the market for us, that we can go anywhere as long as we find the right people and we create the right systems. And so you know, that led us to then expanding into a market that's about an hour and a half away, two hours you know, in North uh, New Jersey. And even from that, now we're looking at new markets at another two hours in, in different directions. So just opened our, our minds to, we can do more as long as we, we take a different approach, which was instead of doing it ourselves, it's like who, not how, it's like, who's going to help us achieve this? Not like, how am I going to do it? Which is a more scalable growth mindset. Yeah, that's super powerful, man. That's fantastic. That's great to hear. And it's funny when you're thinking of limiting beliefs behind doing the podcast. I'll, I'll say the same statement that Mike Ayala told me. We were golfing in Steamboat at a GoBundance event. And he was like, he's like, Lubin, you know what, man? He's like, the fact that you made this happen and that me and you are here right now. And he was like, and I feel like we're good friends. And he goes, and I don't know how this happened, but it just did. He goes, you've got a knack for that. You need to have a podcast. And I was like, not until I have a hundred doors, Mike. And I don't know where I pulled that from. It was just completely out of thin air. And you probably had the nice, same a nice thing. number. Like, yep. Yeah. You're like, not until this point. And he was like, wow, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard. And selfish. How? And he goes, because self-centered. And he goes, because all you're thinking about is me, me, me. He's like, think about if you even help five people like at all, then that's a win by doing a podcast. And I don't know your experience, but I haven't had one person, at least to my face, say anything negative or 
put me down at all. I'm sure it probably hasn't been the same for you either because it's just, it's a win, man. Like this is one of the few things yep. where I win, you win, everybody that's listening to this in their car right now or in their headphones, they win because it's just the share and exchange of knowledge, man. And everyone wins in that. What other outlets or platforms are there that's that you can get a win like that? Yeah. Like, and I, and I a lot know. of it is it's taking people along the journey that you're on. And like, we're all in the same journey of life. Some mm-hmm. of us go exponentially. Other people are flat or, or, or linear, but we're all on the same journey. And I think the cool thing about a, a podcast or just any anything getting out there is you're opening up people to your world, how you're thinking of things, the challenges you're seeing, the opportunities, and just trying to share with people the things that you're learning and hopefully helping them make progress on their own journey, whatever whatever that is and wherever it leads. And one of the biggest I, things I learned through, through my coach and it was about fear. And like when people have fear of something, it, it, it falls into one of three categories. One of them is the fear of failure. If I try, I, I could fail. If I list, if I launch this podcast, no one will listen. Number two is criticism. If I launch this podcast, people will not like it or they'll criticize me. And then the last one is feeling that you're not like you don't deserve it. That's maybe yours. Oh, I don't deserve this op- opportunity. I don't deserve this. But for everything that exists in the world is a polar op. Like there's the sun and the moon, there's right and wrong, there's left and right. And so for each one of those things, there's, there's a polar opposite that could happen. So that first one, instead of thinking, what if I try, I could fail. The other option is what if this thing's wildly successful? What if people, instead of the criticizing me, what if, what if I, I resonate with people and they, they love it and I'm really helping them make strides in their life and teaching them things and speaking to them in a way that is new and they like it. And the final thing is the world is abundant, right? There's, there's, there's not a scarcity mindset. There's abundance. And, and the more we ask for, the more we'll get. And I, I think everything I, I, I like to look at it that way now, instead of saying, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen? Ask yourself, what's the best thing that could happen? And mm. it, it could change your life. The best thing that's happened is it could change your life. The worst thing that's happened is like you launch a podcast <laughs> or you do whatever and nobody listens. You wasted $100 on a microphone and a couple of weeks of your time. But the best thing is you get to start to meet really cool people like me and you chatting or, or all the other people you've had and you will have that you establish relationships that you wouldn't otherwise have. And then those relationships lead to, down the line to the business opportunities and to, to new education and just putting yourself out there and it opens the door in, in so many ways. So I think that's what's really cool about the, the platform. But in general, like taking action is key and that's a cool name, the Action Academy. And I, I think it's awesome. So up there, up there with business with beers. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. listening, that's uh, that's obviously Brian's podcast, Business with Beers. Yeah, man, it has been a freaking blast. And I've recently, I used Jason Dree's team for coaching, and they just helped me through a really big belief, not a belief that I had, but it was this nagging thing. And I really want to stick to this tangent that we're on right now. I actually really like where we're going with this because this is very, this isn't talking about your Midas shops. This isn't talking about business yet, but this is something that's just as valuable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times that thought of, I don't deserve this creeps up, right? And as I'm speaking about it, more and more successful people are coming out and saying that they share the same thing. It's not our normal thought pattern, but it's a pattern that creeps up. So sometimes like I just got back from Brazil and I'm sitting there in Brazil and on the beautiful beaches of Brazil with the love of my life. And, and she's there with me and all of her family is there and we're just having a great time. And I closed a massive sale for my job and I'm like, God, man, I love my life. I was like, what's going to go wrong here? 
Yeah, and, right. and it just it creeps up sometimes. You're like, there's no way that my life can be this fantastic. Something's got to go wrong. And that's so toxic. And my coach, I'll, I'll give everyone listening to this, the advice that my coach gave me. And to first validate that belief, it's not you. It's a human belief. It is literally your brain programmed for survival and for defense. Mm. So your brain is looking for the holes and looking for different areas that people can attack from. So it is literally your subconscious primal brain that's trying to prime you and protect you. That's what that thought is. And then whenever that thought creeps up, my new trigger that I do is I say, if not me, then who? Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, there are people ha- that are having, that are getting cancer. There are people that are dying early. There are people that are losing everything. I was like, who am I to deserve this? But if not me, then who? Yeah. And that, man, was like a freaking lightning bolt to me. So yeah. have, have you read, have you read or heard the, I think it's called The Strangest Secret? The Strangest Secret? No, I have not. So let's check it out. It's like a, it's like a, you know, short mindset book, but anyway, he goes through and he has a story about like your mind is this, like this farm and you sow seeds. And if you sow seeds of negativity of like a poisonous flower or whatever, then that's what grows. And if you sow seeds of, of positive things and flowers or whatever, they will grow and that you become what you think about. So mm-hmm. if you think about negative thoughts and you have this negative of a thought of failure, then that's what you end up becoming if you can sow seeds of positivity. And that's what you think about all day is like, hey, I'm going to get through this. This is challenging, but you know, it, it'll be okay. We'll figure it out. Like then positive things happen. So that's like, uh, I don't know, we become what we think about is the quote that I, I think of. And I write every single day is, is that. So. Yeah. I love that. And that goes along with the power of positive thinking and where you put your intention is where it's where the output comes from. So I think that's a good segue now. That's that and hey, that's what this is cool about this podcast. We we come up and then whatever flows. And yeah. now I want to transition this into your asset classes because that's interesting. It's an interesting vertical that you're in with these franchise stores. I'm curious about what got you into them, what got you into the shops, and then maybe talk about some numbers on the back end and what does an investment look like in a franchise business in general? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So my dad got into it in uh, 1976 and he only got into it because his cousin was up in Boston. I I don't know, maybe in the early seventies, late sixties, making like boatloads of money in it and said, Hey, my dad was a real estate agent and was looking for something. So him and his dad, I think my dad was in his early twenties at the time, they opened up one store and just plugging away. And back then the business was, you know, all exhaust mufflers, the, the systems before stainless steel, they rusted out apparently like every three or four years. And it was like getting brakes done today. Every couple of years, you just got your whole entire exhaust system replaced every couple of years. Obviously the business has evolved as cars have changed. And uh, yeah, so I've, we've grown it from, so him, him and my uncle grew it to about, about six locations. They had a little more, a little less, they bought and sold them. And uh, I joined in 2010 after college. And at that point they were ready to sell the business. It was uh, 08, 09 had been rough. They'd been in it for you know 30 something years and just, just tired. And uh, so I came in, breathed, learned the business, breathed new, you know, learned it, eventually took over operations and we, we started scaling it and started just buying up additional locations, opening ones from scratch. And we went from six to eight to nine to 11 to 12, 13, 14. And then we bought a, a group of seven in New Jersey, that got us to 2020. And then we opened up, bought another one and we got another couple by the time this launch all of uh, Wolf 24 yeah, in a couple of weeks. So 
anyway, we, we've grown it just through through a lot through acquisitions, a lot through just opening up new locations, and yeah, it's been great. So, your next question was on the, the metrics or the buy. A lot of small businesses and franchises, they're they're purchased or valued based on a multiple of the earnings. It could go. It all varies. If you're buying a store, if we're if we're buying a store that's like a good producing store, we're to pay a higher multiple. It might be about three times the earnings, three and a half times. And that's a high a, multiple. As a high, yeah, yep, really, it's crazy. It's crazy, yep. And if if I'm buying a, a store, it's not performing. Uh, I'll get it for asset value, which might be. 150 grand or, or something in that range. I've, I've bought them as low as one multiple, something in that range. So it, anyway, anywhere, or the sweet spot, something to two, two and a half. And there's a lot of, there's a lot. That's not just us. That's a ton of stuff that we've looked at over the years. And we can buy them. And then the eventual plan is we'll buy enough of them and one day have a big market package that we can hopefully sell and to, to a larger group when we're ready to retire and at a higher multiple because we'll have a whole whole group of stores and a system and processes in place. Okay. That's an interesting origin story. If your family was not involved in the automotive business, is this still an area that you would dabble in financially? So speak to a person that maybe owns no stores, has no ties to them. Is this a good vehicle for them to go into? It's a super hands-on business. Like I I know there's other, there's lots of people out there who want to view it as like a passive investment and is far from that. Uh, A lot of times those, the guys we end up buying their stores from. And so that is, they have to be fully committed. And there's guys who've gotten in the system who, who are good business people. We're in the people business. We fix cars, but at the end of the day, it's it's a relationship business and teaching our guys how to communicate properly in terms of what does a car need, how much does it cost, and just being transparent. And it's like trust. It's the same thing as real estate. It's, it's all about the trust. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of guys who get in the system and they'll buy an underperforming store. They'll find another one in the market. They'll get that one. They'll get a group of them. Eventually can hire a, a district manager to run the, the market. Then they can take a more hands-off uh, approach and be more of the owner uh, instead of like the operator of them, but you got to be committed to to that, and you got to, I think, and in my opinion, want to have multiple. It's the multiple game. So you've got a lot of hands-on experience in hiring people to come be the operators of these locations. So, so I'm assuming you're not like a hands-on operator at these spots anymore. Not or- anymore. Yeah, at some point when we had six stores, eight stores, yeah, I was the the general manager, district manager. I was the direct contact. I hired everybody, trained everybody, placed them, disciplined them. And as we've grown, yeah, I've, we've added kind of multiple layers to, to make it scalable. So now we have three people in those district roles. And me and my brother really sit at the top. I'm, I'm the visionary. He's the kind of integrator in the, the EOS model, if you're familiar with that, and um, setting the direction and, and trying to build the culture and the systems and, and to have it be duplicated. Awesome. So speak on that a little bit. Speak about building systems and culture and hiring. Do you have any best practices in hiring and stuff like that? Because for people listening to this, when you're if you are looking to buy a business, we'll have we've got Nigel Gussinger. We're talking to Cody Sanchez about coming on, and they're all about buying small businesses and small sure. businesses, yep. small businesses. And then so in this game, all of this is not necessarily about cash flow at the end of the day, it's about assets and businesses. These are what produce liquidity. So when you're doing this, you never want to be working in the business. You want to be working on the business. So the skills that I'm trying to ask from you are like how to hire these operators, because that is a skill that I see lacking. And everyone is struggling across the board, trying to figure out like, where do we find good people? A and B, how do we hire them? Yeah. And I'd say it is difficult 
currently, the environment currently is extremely difficult. I, I we're struggling. I think everybody else. So what we look for, and so we were practicers of what's called EOS or entrepreneur operating system, which provides this, this guide or this template that you can operate your business on. And so a big part of that is identifying what are the core values of the people that you want to be in your organization. And core values are like who somebody is as a, as a person. Like you can't train core values. They either have them or they don't, or they have them, but maybe you're you know amplifying them. And for us, we want people who are driven who like they want to win their their we don't have to motivate them every day like they they naturally just are like you nobody has to motivate you you're just driven to win and you do the best you can you want to see your name at the top whatever that is we want people who are uh, like they're proud of the results that they produce they they have pride in they operate a good looking store they're pride of their culture that they have people around them who come to work and they enjoy what they do. We have a couple that we we look for like that. And that's really what we're getting into is trying to figure out who who has these values and and getting those people on the bus. And we can train them the automotive side of it. I and mean, we have a, a couple guys who didn't come from an automotive background, but they met, they meet the core values, they're they're smart, they can learn, and we can teach them. The, the other things. And for the operator, the, the manager role, it, his job is not to like to fix the cars, right? It's not to do the technical work. His job is to communicate with customers. So he has to be the the bridge between and understand when the tech's talking about whatever. He doesn't know how to fix it or how it works, but he just needs to know how to explain that this is going to solve the problem, whether, whether he fixes it or, or not. And so anyways, that's really what we look for in terms of, of trying to find people. It's figuring out what our core, our best guys, core values are and trying to find people that align with that. And experience is more, do they have experience in sales, communication, and management? Not necessarily automotive. It's great. And we hire a ton of guys from it, but it's not. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. That was very helpful. So I actually want to take that as a transition point over to your real estate. So when it comes to these stores, are you buying any real estate with them? Yeah, our goal is to to buy whatever we can. A lot of them in, in the franchise world are owned by the franchisor. So I mean, like Mightiest Corporate, right, owns a, a bunch of the, the properties. And they do that for good reason. Because if, if I own my property and if I one day wanted to sell it to a competitor or to a car dealership, they have limited course of action unless they want to pay what the car dealership's going to pay, which is probably a much higher multiple. And so in general, like franchisors want as much real estate control as possible because otherwise they could lose an entire market if they don't. And a single person owned a bunch of stores. It's happened in, over the years. And so anyway, we own five or six of the properties now. I know we're in process of buying one of them and of the 21 that we operate. So for us, if we can buy the store, it's a slam dunk. But if there's other guys that if they can't buy the store, they won't do it at all. And we still look at it from a cash flow perspective. Does it fit the footprint? If we can buy the real estate, it's obviously a bonus, but for us, it's not a requirement on the Midas, the shop side of it. And then you said that you were investing in some other real estate too, correct? Yeah. So then our, our you know, I've gone through different cycles and in investing in, in real estate. I think, I believe that real estate is one of the best ways you can create passive income and, and generational wealth. And there's lots of different ways you can do it. I think everyone starts with single family homes because it's familiar and it's, there's like a low barrier entry. It's what we did. We were, my dad's like super handy. So we were, and he was like retired because he's like not in the, the Midas business anymore. We were like, Flipping houses, he do most of the work. I'd help on the kind of the business, the numbers, and and whatever I could. I'm not super handy, but I'd be there when I could. And uh, so we did that. And then a couple of them we turned into rentals. We own a 14 unit apartment building. But then we found that a lot of these places were were lower income C class properties, like built in 1800 or whatever. 
and they're not great areas. And then while they looked great on the spreadsheet, the between all the maintenance costs and the, the headaches, it was just like they weren't cash flow and they weren't making sense. And I'm like, you know, my time's valuable. Why am I wasting all this time for no money a, a month to 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 this? So we decided we sold, we got out all that pretty much. We still have, we still have a couple of the, the nicer ones, but we got all on the low end stuff. And uh, now I'm like super into to syndications and being a passive investment, passive investor. My mm-hmm. theory is I, I can spend all my time, my active time generating, buying more stores, generating more income through that. And then I take that, that active income and I can turn it into passive income by investing in syndications and other similar deals. That also led us down the path of, of doing hard money lending. As I, I've gotten tons of loans, I understand finance really well. And so now we are becoming the bank and lending money to other uh, real estate investors on their short-term high interest basis. And that's been that's been pretty good so far as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So your focus, so you started with like the C class kind of stuff, and then you decided that's not something that you want to pursue anymore. Just because yeah, no, for me, I'm I'm never gonna buy a one of those again. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. it's just not it's just not worth it. I think you you run the numbers, it's like I don't know, follow bigger pockets and all stuff. You got like the one percent rule, like these were two percent. Like you could buy them for fifty thousand and you can get a thousand dollars a month in rent. So it looks great. The percentages and the numbers and the cash on cash, you thought you'd be like crushing it. But instead, like it, they were terrible. And you're $200 or $300 a month, or $3,500 a year, let's say. And I had this one house. So we paid like $15,000 in sewer issues, like crap mm. backing up, trap need to be replaced, sidewalk dug up, like 15 grand by the time this thing was done. So that was like five years of cash flow out of this place for this one incident that took months to fix. And I don't know, at the end of the day, I'm not my game. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, focus on, on passive investments and just at the end of the day, those things can make 15, 20% a year too. So yeah. Yeah. Which is like the same IRRs or we were projected on these other deals. Yeah. And so you're talking about syndication. So hit on that a little bit for maybe somebody that doesn't understand syndication. So you're coming in, you're coming in as an LP, a limited partner to these. Can you walk someone through this? Maybe they have some capital laying around and this is something that they'd be interested in as a sophisticated investor. Yeah, sure. So a syndication is basically a group of investors that get together they pull together time, money, and experience to go out and acquire and manage and ultimately sell a large real estate asset. There's two classes of, of people. There's what's called the general partners, which are the guys with all the experience. So this is the group that has done these deals. There's They know how to acquire. They have broker connections. They know how to underwrite these things, do these crazy spreadsheets and analyze the market rents. And they're the ones who like their full-time job is this. And then the LPs, which is me, or the sophisticated, the accredited investor, who our only role is to write a check and we deposit it with these guys. Then the the GP, the general partners, or operators, or sponsors. It's all the, the same same role. They then go and take the ball and they run with it. They're the ones who are running the the construction project. They're increasing the rents. They're they're doing literally all the work. And depending on how it's structured, every month. Or you know, every quarter, every year, I'm getting as a limited partner investor a ACH deposit in the bank account, and then eventually they're going to you know increase the rents, reduce the operational costs, increase the value of of the property. They're going to sell it. They're going to make a couple million bucks, and then they're going to distribute that money pro rata to everyone involved in the deal. And they take a percentage, and the investors get a percentage. And yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, the key is you got to find just 
good operators, people who you trust that they're going to, a good operator could make it, take a bad deal and, and make it okay. But like mm-hmm. a bad operator could take a good, great deal and like totally destroy it. So the, the key is finding the guys that you trust and the jockeys that are going to, you bet the jockey, not the horse type of thing. Yeah. I just see that being true over and over again. More so is say, yeah, you just, you go and figure out where the best operators operating and then you just hitch your wagon to that horse. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Okay. And then, so you've got some of the single family. And then thankfully that was something that I figured out very early on was I was like, I'm never going beneath B class. I just don't want to, I don't have the stomach for it. Like I know that there's a lot of money to be made. And when we're talking about these classes, we're talking about a class is like your new construction, like great area, very high end B class is like your working class where it's nice. And it's like subdivisions where families would live. C class, C plus is where it's still like, it's still working class, but starting to slip a little bit. And then once you get a little bit beneath that, like C minus and D, you start getting into some rough areas and it's just a problem. Like, it's just not a problem that I want to deal with. People make a lot of money flipping in that area and that sphere, but it's just not worth the headache for me. And it seems like that's the same for you. Yeah. Yeah, From what I've heard, it's the people that succeed in the lower classes, the C class and, and and D, if they go into that area, is they're super hands on. Like they are the manager, they are the like they're mm-hmm. super involved. Like they don't use a third party, and they like know all the tricks and like they've got the systems down for that specific thing. For, for me, being more hands off, this is not it. So, is there going to be a point? So, I don't know if you you may have said it before, and I may have missed it. Is there a point where you're going to be done with acquisition for new stores? Or is there a point where you're like, okay, let's stop acquiring new stores completely and then just focus on increasing the profitability of the ones that we have? Yeah. Our, our goal is probably to get to about 30 or so between th- three markets. We think that is a good number. And then from there, yeah, it's going to be, we could double or triple or quadruple our profits we, we make out of the stores. A lot of it's just with increase in sales. At, at a certain point, all your fixed costs are covered. And then all that incremental gross profit that you can drive, a lot more of it falls to the, the bottom line. And we look at, we have good performing stores, but we look at what some of the top tier guys do. Yeah, we could do a lot more and it becomes easier too. When you have more stores, a small increase of 5% or a 6% increase in sales, when you do tens of millions in sales, like it's, it has a significant effect. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. our goal. We're going to get it to a certain number. Then I think we're going to, then the super focus is going to be on same store growth. I'm always curious about different industries. Like what are some of the main levers that you pull to be able to generate an extra 5% in sales like that in that industry? Yeah, our, our business is like super, super easy. It's when people call, we tell them yes, like they can come and get their car fixed. And then when the car's in there, we inspect it and we present them with all the findings and we offer our payment plans to help make it affordable. If we can mm-hmm. do those three things, we say yes, we do a good inspection. We present it and make it affordable. The sky's the limit. We can track the number of calls we get in. A lot of our calls are recorded through these different marketing systems. And it's our good stores are converting about 80% of the phone calls they get. Our bad stores convert about 40%. So that means like our bad stores could literally Why? double, could double the cars through. How uh, are you and converting a lot of- 40% of a phone call? So some of it's short staffed, right? If we're short staffed and people want to get Yep. In that day, and like the bays are filled, or like the one guy's tied up on a job for three hours, or there's all these reasons we say no, and they're probably all justified. But at the end of the day, it's we we, we want to figure out what are those reasons, and then have solutions to say, okay, we need more staff. Then let's like get more staff, or maybe it's a scheduling issue where this Jimmy goes home at two o'clock, and like why don't we get him to stay to four or five or whatever? Part of it is wanting to say yes, and if we're not saying yes, figuring out why, and then, and then driving it. So that's our that's the easiest lever is literally just the phones and like 
Getting your car fixed is like going to the dentist and getting like cavities drilled. No one wants to to do it. It's a mm-hmm. it's like a necessity though for life. And so when someone's calling us or, or they're coming in, like they're not doing it because it's a Tuesday and they're bored. Like they're doing it because they have a problem <laughs> and they they want us. It's, it's not like there's no window shoppers like maybe a, even a car dealership would have who just wants to check out some new model. Like people are coming to us because they they want to get their cars fixed. And that's the thing we, we drive with the guys is just tell them yes and be friendly and get them in and get them out. That's all they want. And then. The, the better we can do that, the the happier they're going to be because we like limited the experience and let them get on with their life. So, yeah, you're like, oh, what's up, man? Yeah, you know, what? I'm just looking around. I'm just looking around. I hear y'all got some good oil changes over here. I'm yeah, just yep. checking it yeah, out. Like, yeah, it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you've got the real estate, you've got the franchises that are coming in. Why do all of this? What's the why behind all of it? I want to create the best life for my my family and the people in my world as possible. And the bigger my world get, the more opportunities that are created with the people within it. We've expanded into another business, uh, another franchise that we run. And one of our guys who's been with me for years, he got promoted to to be a partner in that business. And so now he's got this opportunity to grow. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I believe it's, it's like that. Why not me? And if anybody, if other people can do it, I can do it. And I say, I, just, I want to grow it. And I, I want to ultimately create the, the generational wealth for my family. And, and the wealth is more than just money. Mm-hmm. It's time, it's freedom. It's being able to sp- spend time with people that you love, doing things that you love, going where you want to go. And a lot of people think it's just money, but money's just like the, the oil that keeps the, the engine going. If you could do all these things without money and you just had this unlimited card, you would, but we don't. So ultimately, I want my goal is to teach all this stuff to my kids. I have two, two young girls and I want to teach them all the things I know so that they can get started on this path even earlier and creating the successes in their lives. That'd be awesome to have uh, the two two girls like running all these shops. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'll probably be done by the time they're ready for it, but we'll see. You never know. Yeah. And then just have a capital event and you're just like, all right, now we're, now we're good. All right. Well, eight months, a- five years old. So get some time. That's yeah. That's an interesting, that's an interesting concept to end it on is Okay, so say you get to the point where you have a capital event, you sell all the stores. What do you think you would do with it now? If you if that were to happen like next year, like in all you got made an offer that you couldn't refuse, where would you think that you would park that money? Currently, a couple of different things. One would be the two things we talked about, which is I would continue to do syndications and passive investments, and I'd I continue to to do the loans, the hard money loans. I mean, we're making annualized about 15% on that. It's pretty consistent and backed by real estate and you know leverage isn't super high. And that's what I do. The bigger question I think is what would I do with my time? The money's I I know I could put the money to, to good use. It's more the time. And currently obviously I spend time on the, the, the podcast. I'm working on creating some educational content to teach other people how to invest in, in private secured, you know, real estate. And so it would probably be more on that masterminding all that stuff. But I'm doing that now and like I said, I got many years left in the, the repair business, but yeah, it's funny because sometimes it's the question gets asked, what would you do if you had all the time? And you're like, dude, I don't know. I'd probably try to figure out something to work on. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I'm a worker. Like I, I get bored. I, I, I get bored after a day on the beach. Like, I, I don't know, like I, I even days off, like I'm just knocking out stuff and you know, I'm like, I've got that driven mindset that I got to, I just want to stay busy and I enjoy it. It's not like I don't feel stressed by it. It's a relief to, I think, sometimes just feel like a sense of accomplishment and get shit done. Yeah, that that happened with me when I was in Brazil because when you're traveling, especially for an expended period of time, you forget that everyone else is working. 
So it's, yeah, it's a Tuesday. Unless you're being hosted by someone and they took the entire week off of work, like they've got stuff to do. Like everyone's doing stuff. So mm-hmm. I was just like sitting there. I'm like, man, I really want to crank out my computer and just get to work on something. And I was sitting next to um, a gentleman at a Tony Robbins event. And he said the same thing. He was like, it's like everyone talks about passive income. And it's something that you and I are both working to generate. It's part of the reasons behind this podcast. But he was like, I would raise you that and say, find something, find a passionate source of income that will travel with you and that that will move with you. And it's remote and scalable because he's going to need something to work on at the end of the day with all this, because we're builders. Like that's what we're here to do. We're here to build. We're here to create. We're here to be create significance. Yep. Yeah. And that's got my, my goal as well. It's never to not be working. It's just a matter of using the vehicles we have to generate income, which then we, you got to park it somewhere. And I think that there's some other, there's some really good opportunities and there's some opportunities that are riskier. And anyway, so yep. he's right there. You got to do what you love. And if it's just, you're to sit around and do nothing and you hate that life, like that is not what you want to create. So. Exactly. Yep. So that just gives us uh, another 10 areas to focus on in investing <laughs> and uh, just going down the rabbit hole, man. Like it just never ends. And yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap up. I guess in closing, do you have any advice for people that are listening to this that they're like, okay, cool. This is interesting. I'm thinking about buying a small business. Any advice that you would give maybe two to three pieces about them going down this rabbit hole? Yeah. So it, it really depends, I think, where on their stage they're, they're thinking. One of them is, I think, getting very clear on exactly what you want out of the, the business and what type of business you want. I have some friends who are similar, trying to break out of the W-2 jobs, get into their own business. and But then they're all over the place. Is it online business? Is it retail? Is it franchising? Is it independent? Is it service-based? Is it product-based? And I think getting very clear on what do you want? What's resilient? Is it a physical thing or is it is it not? Do you want to have one location? Do you want multiple? Is it, do you have a lot of employees or do you not? I think if you can paint the picture, say, all right, I want a whatever, like I want a retail business that has recurring revenue that's not seasonal, that's X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. That at least that points you in the right direction because otherwise you're all over the place. And like having clarity and, and that kind of vision of, all right, this is like what I'm picturing in a year from now, this is what I want to achieve is key. Number two is then just, it's simply, it's literally taking action on things, whether that is like picking up the call, a phone and like talking to business brokers, or it's you're on biz buy sell when you're like filling out NDAs to like look at these things and, and trying to figure out what the business models are. And whether it's just calling up other successful people or, or you trying to join these GoBundance and just, just, it's just taking action. I think a lot of people are literally afraid of it. And it's what's the worst, what's the worst that could happen? And hey, what's the best that could happen? For me, my, my brother and I literally every single Monday, like we have this thing called the deal tracker. It's like every high level thing that we're working on. And every single Monday, we go through this thing spend like half hour, 45 minutes. And then we just, that is the point that then is the trigger to, all right, we got to send the follow-up email to this guy. We got to call the banker to get this thing moved along quicker. We got to do X, Y, and Z, but every single week on rhythm. And and that's what is creating it. And sometimes like some of these things we've called, like the guy had told us no, like multiple times he didn't want to sell. And we called him up one day because it had been a couple of weeks and he said, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm ready now. Let's do it. But if we didn't like make that call, it could have been another couple months or maybe someone else would have called them before we did and we'd lose the opportunity. So it's being very consistent and having that rhythm of what you're going to do. Otherwise, you're going to continue to be where you're at. Like that, Things aren't going to change unless you make them change. Exactly. Unless as Einstein said, the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Yep. 
It's sure. just not going to happen. Yeah. Like that. So Brian, where can people find you and the podcast? Yes, brianbeers.com with an I, B-R-I-A-N. That has links to the, the Facebook, Instagram, all that LinkedIn, all that stuff. And Business with Beers on podcast platform is the best way to connect there every week, every Monday. And I'm just launching now every Thursday, um, doing a short one. But talking to entrepreneurs, talking about how we can turn business income into passive income, telling people stories, so just trying to inspire listeners just like you are. So That's awesome, brother. I appreciate you coming on right. and it's, it's been a good time and yeah, go follow, uh, go subscribe to business with beers, shoot a rating and a review. And I know that your uh, fingers itching to leave us one too. So just go ahead and do a two for one special. And uh, with that, man, we'll finish it out. This is Brian and Brian signing off. See ya. Hey, you, yeah, you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Action Academy podcast. If you've gotten to this point where you're listening to my voice, that means that you have completed the entire episode, which I'm assuming and hoping that means that you got massive amounts of value from the show and you really enjoyed this episode. So I need your help, you specifically. We are on a mission to grow this show to a million downloads in 2022, and I can only do that with your help to share, to like, to leave a rating and a review, even just a rating would take two seconds. You go down and click the star button, just click five stars, and then that helps grow the show. So help me share the show on your socials. It would be greatly appreciated. Follow me on Action Academy Podcast on Instagram. And let's really help spread this message to as many people as possible to help them and change their lives. Thank you very much. Look forward to speaking to you next week.